Well, thank you, everybody. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Cece, worship team. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. We thank you for just this opportunity once again to be in the land of the living. So whatever's going wrong, whatever struggles or challenges, Lord, you've given us another day to witness your goodness. And I pray, Lord, that we will see that. Lord, anoint the words that I speak today, anoint our ears to hear your word, and that we will apply it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, good morning, family. It's good to be with you all again. Um, I always appreciate the opportunity that I get to speak to you all. Uh, just uh, a quick acknowledgement, I do want to acknowledge Pastor Nicole. I do uh, thank her for giving me this opportunity and this great responsibility to be before you. I do not take it lightly. She's not with us uh, this morning, so wherever she is, I pray that God would give her strength and rest and peace that passes all understanding. So be in prayer for Pastor Nicole today. As you know, we've been in this series uh, called Disillusioned, and Pastor Nicole wrapped it up last week. My job is easy today because I simply get to piggyback off of the foundation she's been laying for the past four weeks. So uh, that's a very, a very good thing for me. Uh, but I do have to ask, because have you gotten anything out of this sermon series? Has it been helpful for you all? I hope that it has been. And one note to you all that um, even if you're in a phase in life where you're not having this sort of experience, you might say that things are great right now, take the word and store it up, okay? Or I like what one minister said, put it in the refrigerator. Because you might not be going through a situation now, but I can guarantee you if you keep living, there's coming a time, there's coming a day when you're going to need that word. So store it up, okay? No word is ever lost, even if you're not at that point. Hold on to the word of God. All right. <clears throat> so I want to begin today by sharing just a brief thing about myself. My favorite animal is the lion. That is something that's been true of me ever since I was a kid. I've always loved lions, just their majesty, their power, their strength, all of those things. And so you can imagine when I was a kid what my favorite movie was, right? The Lion King. We all know that beautiful story. It is still my favorite movie today. Now, I won't recount all of the story because you all know it, <laughs> but I do want to, to target a specific moment in the story, in the life of Simba where he's been exiled from his home. He's been living under this lie that his uncle Scar told him, and so he's been running from his past, but yet he is confronted again with his past when the baboon Rafiki shows up and reminds him who he, of who he is. And then there's this great, beautiful moment when he hears the voice of his father, Mufasa, 
you know, spoken by uh, James Earl Jones, his booming voice that I just love, who reminds Simba who he is. And he says to him, key point, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. This truth is important because this truth is not tied to what Simba is currently going through, right? It's not connected to his circumstance. You've heard Pastor Nicole even mention last week about the consistency of God's character, and it's not dependent on the moment that I'm in right now, right? And that's why I love that moment where Mufasa says to him, remember who you are. That truth rings loud and clear. The power of memory. I need you to remember. He's calling back to a truth that is not dependent on the moment he's in. And that's the theme I want to share with you all today, just to give it a title. Remember what God said. Remember what God said. <clears throat> the text I want to draw from is Luke 24. This happens to be one of my favorite passages, and uh, I think this is so rich that I've chosen to read this in chunks, so I'll probably be doing a little bit more reading because I really want you to capture what the story is getting at, this idea of memory. <clears throat> we'll start with the first chunk, Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. So this is the third day. Jesus has been crucified two days prior. And I don't want to glaze over what's happening. Now, obviously, when you read the story, we don't have the um, privilege of hearing the tone or the mood, but Jesus was crucified. Why are the women coming to the tomb? Well, according to Jewish customs, there's a certain a ritual or a tradition of how you bury someone, to mourn someone. So they're bringing spices because, see, on the day he was crucified, they didn't get to give him a proper burial, right? That's a process of washing the body and perfuming the body. And when Jesus was crucified, see, the Passover was coming. And so um, they had to take his body down very quickly, and it was placed in this tomb. So they weren't able to give him just the proper burial, at least according to the customs, right? So this is why they were coming to the tomb. 
Mind you, the, the, the emotional, mental state that they're in right now. Not too long ago, they witnessed their Savior brutally crucified. So that's on their mind. This is a, a story, this is a tale where fear, chaos, tragedy, confusion, all of those things come together at once. And this is the mindset that they're in. So I want you to know that the idea of resurrection is the furthest thing from their mind. Jesus is gone, and that's all they see. So they come thinking, at least we can give him a proper burial. And maybe there's a whole other emotional uh, confusion to that of actually seeing his body mangled and all that goes into that. So I kind of want you to feel the emotion here as we're going through the text. But then these angels show up. I mean, they get there, body's not there. Um, and one thing I do want to note, uh, in your own personal study, I do recommend that you read the other the accounts of the crucifixion, resurrection, and the other Gospels, because you're going to see them give different details, right? So one might have a little bit more details uh, than the other. So just a side note. But they discover that he's not here. They're still not thinking he's risen. But the key point here, and we're going to see this throughout the story, these angels said to them, remember. When's the last time someone said that to you? Remember. Do you remember? Do you remember? It made me think of um, uh, something interesting like uh, my wife's uh, grandmother. She died of Alzheimer's, and I think about memory and how her memory was going, and you just see there's something so important of memory, your ability to remember. And this is key as he points to, do you remember what he told you? I'll come back to that in a moment, or a little later. But this was supposed to happen. It's part of the script. I want to move forward now to verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, two disciples were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Feel the emotion. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus says, what things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they reply. He was a prophet, powerful in word, in deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, 
and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So we see the ladies and what they're looking to do, and they're bewildered, what's going on? There's all this confusion, and the word comes, remember what he said. And then they remember. These men here are walking along the road. Now, get the picture. It says they, they were restrained from recognizing him. So I don't know if Jesus did super, something supernatural. I would argue that they were so overcome with grief and confusion that they couldn't see anything else. If anybody's experienced that moment of death, you, it's chaotic at times. Just to draw from my own personal experience, the day that my father died was chaotic. It was unexpected. We didn't see it coming. Children were confused because we were in a party, and once the news broke, they're looking around and seeing all of these adults go from smiling and having a good time to wailing and mourning. What is going on? There was no sense of control in that moment. It was chaotic. It hurt. It didn't make sense. This is what they're feeling right now. This can't be happening. Jesus died. This wasn't supposed to happen. Now this is interesting because Jesus, I always found it interesting, Jesus chose not to reveal himself to them. And I always wonder why that was. Kind of like us, there are moments we're in, as Pastor Nicole has talked about, situations where it seems like God doesn't just show up just yet. At least not in the way we want him to, right? He, he lets you go along just long enough, but there are times in that space of disorientation when some of our ideas and beliefs need to be challenged and corrected. And sometimes that's what God wants to do. And this is what happens here. See, they have an idea of the Messiah. You want to know what the people of Israel were looking for? They're looking for the strong political leader who's going to call them to arms. At any moment, Jesus is going to give the call. He's going to give the command. He's going to rally the troops. We're going to take out these Romans. Even at this point, this is what they're thinking. And you see them saying this, like, we, we thought he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Unmet expectations. It's kind of like John the Baptist, who's in prison. Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Or do we look for somebody else? <laughs> but just like John the Baptist, Jesus takes a moment to correct. Foolish ones. 
slow of heart. He's calling them to remembrance. Slow to believe, get this all the prophets spoke. See, they're partially right of what the Messiah would do. They just didn't understand the scope of it. They didn't understand the timing of it. So in their mind, the Messiah is not supposed to be crucified. The Messiah is not supposed to come in weakness. The Messiah is not supposed to come in humility, only in strength. So what is happening here? Jesus says, this is what was spoken. Remember what God said, not just in the moment. Jesus takes them through the law and the prophets, through Moses and the prophets. Here's what I want you to understand. I need you to see what God has been speaking throughout history, right? Jesus is pulling back to a greater truth that has been long-standing. What has God said? Not just in the moment, but I need you to go back even further throughout history, throughout Moses, the prophets. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what was spoken concerning, of, concerning me. I need you to recall. I need you to go back. And of course, I'm skipping ahead, but a little later, they come to realize that it was Jesus. But he reminds us that God has been speaking throughout history, and that challenges at many times our unmet expectations and assumptions about Jesus. We go to verse 36. A little, laser, a little later, uh, the, uh, the disciples are gathered in Jerusalem. While they were still talking about this, everything that happened, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look. At my hands, my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Proof that, yes, it's me. I was crucified. His hands and his feet bore the marks of his suffering. Evidence. It's not a ghost. And while they still did not believe, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you, remembrance, while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, 
beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Take this entire day and all of these stories, pain, suffering, disorientation, tragedy, we didn't expect this. And Jesus calls them to remember God's word, right? Even when he shows up, I mean, you know, you hear that statement, seeing is believing. Well, they're seeing and they're not quite believing. He's right there, touch me, feel me. But he doesn't stop there. He goes back to the scriptures. That's the call to us. I need to remind you of what God has been speaking throughout history. It's not just this moment, folks. It's not just a few days ago. History speaks of me. Why is this important? Because remembering what God has said is what will anchor us. It's what will anchor us, especially in the difficult times. And, and what it does is we hear what God said. Remember what God said. It calls us to reflect on God's character. Right? Well, he said this. He said this is going to happen. He said he's going to rise again. What's his character? Is he trustworthy? Can I take his words to the bank? Can I cash that check? Jesus' point is, yeah, you can. He's proven it time and time again. But get this right here. It doesn't mean we won't feel pain. And it doesn't mean we won't experience doubt. Remembering what God said does not mean we won't feel pain and that we won't experience doubt. Mind you, they still saw Jesus crucified. I mean, that's still, that's still going to throw you off. That's still traumatic. You're still going to have that experience. I still had to feel and experience my dad passing away. I had to walk through that. I had to feel every emotion, the doubts, wondering, well, God, you could have healed him. Why didn't you? but still recalling God's character, God's word, even when I don't understand what's happening right now. God's word is what helps us to weather the storms. That anchor. What's this calling us to? It's calling us, church, to go back to the scriptures. Go back to God's Word. Go back to what God has said. Yes, the perfect, infallible Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures. That's what we go back to. If you're new to this church and you're wondering, wondering what new community believes, that's what we believe and preach. That's what we live by. We go to the Scriptures just as Jesus called them back to the Scriptures. We are saying that what I'm going through is not the only truth that matters. We are saying in those moments that God has been speaking throughout human history. That's a sure foundation that you and I can stand on, that we can live by, even in the midst 
of confusion the perfect Word of God. And this goes back even further, the question of the Word of God. This goes back to the Garden of Eden, because that's what the whole debate was in the Garden. What did God say? Did God really say that? And this happens in the moments when we're dealing with tragedy, loss, hurt, betrayal. There's a question of, did God really say that? Can God really be trusted? Does God really care about me? Does God really care about us? Go back to the Word of God. Now I've got a list here that I want you to think through and meditate on. Let's recall some things that God has actually said, that Jesus has said. One. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Abide in me. Obey me. My grace is sufficient for you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Your life is in my hands. Trust me. Believe in me. I am your provider, your healer. I love you. I am the author and finisher of your faith. I will come again. All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I am the resurrection and the life. Just sit with those for a moment. That's what he said, and that word still speaks. So what moment are you in right now? Now what does God say about that? Do you recall what God says? What is God saying right now about the moment you're in? Yes, I know it's chaotic, it hurts. I had to walk through that. One for me that was very important, the day my father died, was I am the resurrection and the life. But I had to reflect on that while staring at death. Yeah. What are you staring at today? I don't know what it is. But how does God speak to that right now? Take a moment and, to re and recall the Word of God. Maybe it's, I'm with you. Is that what he said? Now, if you've got that word in your mind, let me ask you, can you recall God's character? When Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, 
my emotions don't feel them right now. My experience doesn't, I'm not feeling them right now. But what did he say? Question, can you trust that? See, this is the part where you and I have to make a decision. Am I going to believe it or not? I didn't say it wasn't hard. I'm saying, are you going to believe it or not? I didn't ask for this diagnosis. What does he say? I didn't ask for this betrayal. Maybe a friendship, maybe a marriage. What does he say? Help us, Jesus. Yes. Can it be trusted? This is key for our church right now. And I think what we need as a church, not just individually, but I think we need a collective memory. Mind you, when the word comes to the people, it's usually not to just an individual. These are groups of people that are being reminded, y'all, remember that I will never leave you nor forsake you. We need collective memory as a church of what God said. Why is this key, new community? Because there are going to be days when I don't have it in me. And I need the body to speak to me. I need Cece to remind me the goodness of God because I'm not feeling it right now. I need my brothers and sisters to testify. Remember what he said. We need the older to help the younger to say, hey, we remember going through that in our marriage. When newlyweds hit that wall, they feel like they can't get past. Older folks who can recall, more experienced in marriage could say, yeah, I remember. We walked through that. And here's what God did in that. You see why the community is important? A collective memory. And this is throughout the scriptures. Remind each other the call. These same people who are hiding for fear of the Jews, because how they did business back then, you didn't just take out the leader, you got the followers too. So they're hiding away. And after this experience, these are the same people who are going to come outside of those doors and boldly proclaim the risen Savior and give their lives for that truth. Same people, quite a metamorphosis by the power of the Spirit. This is what we need, church, to anchor us in this moment right now. When things are confusing, disappointing, I don't like what's happening, I'm mad, but we're still called to love each other. We're still called to forgive each other. We're still called to talk to each other. I don't know what this foolishness is, this silent treatment. I'm not talking to you. What kind of mess is that? 
That's not of God. I'm still going to consider you. I don't like what just happened. You're right. You got a right to feel that way. But God has still called you to honor Christ in your behavior. Not gossip, not slander, not call people names. What are we doing, new community? We need a collective memory. What has God said? We're still called to be a city within a city. That hasn't changed. What are we doing? There's a call today to remember. I'm sorry, I know folks who are new. I'm just talking to my family right now. Can you remember what God said? That's the anchor in the confusing times. The things I don't understand, the things I don't like. It's a call to remember God's character, God's goodness. Think about these people. They're no different from us. We're experiencing the same things, and yet they're also experiencing a triumph. Remember the goodness of God. See, that's part of remembering what he said. Remember the triumph. Cece, you can come on up. Because I think I've said what needs to be said. That's it, church. That's the call to remember. Come back to the Scriptures. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, how we are called to behave, how we are called to understand the climate that we're in. We still have to walk through it. (laughs) Don't get it twisted. But there's the collective memory where I need to hear from you what God has said. I need to hear from you what God has said, what God has done. Remind me, because today I'm not feeling it. Or maybe tomorrow you're not feeling it. I need to know what God has said. Come back to the Scriptures. Come back to God's character, God's heart. And when you have that word of what God has said, reflect on God's character. Can He be trusted? I say yes. Let's pray, church. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the word that you've spoken to us. Remind us, Lord, even in this moment, remind us of your goodness, remind us of your truth, remind us of who you are. Take us back, Lord, to the truth you've been declaring throughout human history. The truth that speaks of your goodness, your faithfulness. May we encourage each other and strengthen each other. Knowing that you are truly with us. That's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.